don't know what to do with them. So, so this is our second week in our six-week series on Ing. So hopefully last week was a blessing seeing, looking at our being and what it meant as far as our existence is concerned. So we'll look at what we're talking about tonight. But before we do, I just open up. Is there any uh, prayer requests or praises that we want to go ahead and lift up before we start? Kind of a lopsided this way. Everybody's over here and you got like four people over here. The military in me, Mike, are like filling from the front to the back, you know. <laughs> so but are there any prayer requests or praises that we want to go ahead and lift up? No? Bill? Oh, yeah? Definitely. For sure. Good, good. Speaking of which, Alyssa has multiple doctor, doctor's appointments this week. So uh, we just covet your prayers as far as answers, clarity, things like that, as far as different things that are going on. So if you think about it throughout the week, you can pray for my daughter, Alyssa. Anybody else? All right. All right. Well, Jason, I'll go ahead and open up a word of prayer, and then are you guys ready to go live? Or oh, We are live. Hello, live stream. <laughs> no, that's good. Uh, before I play a video at the end, we're going to want to go ahead and get off live for copyright reasons. But I'll leave that up to you guys. But it's not going to come through as well as it would if it was played through the live stream system. So, all right, well, let's pray for these things. And then we'll, first, a passage that we'll be in briefly is going to be Romans chapter 8. So you can make your way there uh, once we're done praying, and then we'll jump into this. So, all right, God, I thank you just for this evening. And Lord, we just thank you for uh, all the ministries going on tonight. We just pray that it would just bless you and, and encourage and edify us. Lord, we just pray that you would just uh, use me tonight to just speak clearly and articulately to go ahead and, and encourage all of us in the moments when we need this lesson tonight the most. So, Lord, we know there's a lot of problems, a lot of strife, a lot of struggles. We just pray that we can keep our eyes fixed upon you and not upon our situation. Just pray that the Holy Spirit would do the work tonight. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, and throughout the week, I will be praying about these two things. So, but as you remember, last week we talked a little bit about this, this series, Ing. When I was trying to figure out, okay, what are we going to do for six weeks before we get into Easter? I came across a video series uh, that was titled Is. I just thought it was pretty, you know, interesting title, Is. That was it. There's nothing else, you know, that it said. And so I was coming up, and I was thinking, okay, Ing. And so I wanted to build a title based off Ing. So like we talked about last night, Ing is simply a suffix that is a present tense participle, meaning that an action is currently taking place at that time. Talked about run, running, eat, eating talked about Pastor Mike Kelly and his uh, pull as far as men smelling certain things and wanting other people to smell those certain smells as well. So I'm curious by way of hands tonight, how many people, when you smell something weird or peculiar, how many people do you either A, smell it again, or B, say, hey, you got to check this out, smell this. How many people do you? Okay, 
A smell that is not pleasant. How's that? We'll say that. No? Nobody? I know we have more people than this last time. Okay. Okay. <laughs> exactly. You know, we, we got to let other people in on the fun. So, share the wealth. I don't know if that's wealth. So, if it's like really bad, it's like, ugh. And then you're like, you got to smell this, right? Make them smell that, ugh. And so, this series, that's actually what we're looking at, is taking present tense participles, present tense verbs, and how they can go ahead and be seen as far as unity in our body of Christ, in our church body locally. And so what we looked at last week was the aspect of being. We saw that to be is to exist. We talked about our existence. What does it mean to exist? Where does existence come from? And what is the meaning and purpose of our existence? And we talked a little bit, I think it was the Westminster Confession, where they teach the aspect is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. I like the purpose of our existence, to know God and to make Him known, because once you know God and make Him known, you're glorifying God as well. But however you find your purpose of existence rooted within the Scriptures, uh, that's what we talked about last week. And so many people, they don't know where they come from. They're taught all these various hypotheses, if you will. And based on that, there's no true meaning, purpose of life. And then there's no understanding on what happens after this life. And we've talked very briefly about worldviews, things like that. So we looked at being our existence. And so tonight, what I want to look at is the aspect of struggling. And so I'm hoping nobody is having to have this message tonight right away. I'm hoping that all of us are pretty good state right now within our life, within our Christian walk and things like that. But there may be some of us here tonight that are legitimately struggling. I pray that's not the case, but uh, I do hope that the Holy Spirit will go ahead and use this to go ahead and just encourage and equip us throughout this night, throughout this week. But I want to bring it a uh, question right off the bat. In your own words, what does it mean to struggle? Simply put, what does it mean to struggle? That's all I want to, what does it mean to struggle? I don't want to define what I mean by struggling or any of this. Oscar. Makes it what? Things are more difficult. Okay. Bill. Okay. Okay, so try as hard as you can, and but not reach that outcome. What you're, yeah. Okay, Jason. Lacking resources would lead to an aspect of struggling. Okay. Anybody else, Mike? Not being able to make progress on something. Okay. Passing the point of exhaustion. So like Monday mornings, we go to work and we're just struggling to get into work, right? Logging on to the computer or doing whatever we're doing, right? So just hard time. It seems like everybody's assessment of struggle or struggling had a negative connotation. Is that a fair point? Fair, you know, assumption, at least what I was listening to? All right. So I like dictionaries. How many people know that you can get a dictionary online from like 1753? 
1751. Well, in the 1773 dictionary from Johnson, Samuel Johnson, he defines, defines struggling as labor, effort, or contention. Noah Webster in his 1828 dictionary defines struggling as making great efforts. The Cambridge Dictionary today, it says to experience difficulty and to make a very great effort in order to do something. And so at least in the English vernacular, the word struggle, struggling in over 200 years carried the idea of expending great effort. There's a lot of work that needs to be spent to do whatever this struggle is over. And so it leads to another question. In what areas do we struggle in? What do we struggle in? Parenting, okay, how's that? Yeah? Okay, so you put a lot of energy into parenting and you don't get the, re you don't sometimes see the results that you want. And sometimes you do. Payment does pay off, you know, Lord willing, hopefully, definitely. Okay, so parenting. How old is your oldest kid? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but in seven years, I mean, there's a lot of struggle there. So what else? Parenting? Huh? Struggling to quit. You struggle with quitting. Can you explain? Please explain. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay, so why would that be a struggle? Okay, sort of going back to different, you know, what other people have said as well. Any other areas that people struggle in? Struggling to maintain a joyful attitude. Okay. Yeah. So it's definitely a battle having to spend great effort to maintain the joy that you have. Right. <laughs> you don't have to kill him. Anybody else? No? Bill, did I see your hand earlier? As far as something we all struggle? <laughs> yeah. Right. Definitely, so struggling relationships for sure, you know, especially if you have to see these people, especially whether they're work people and you have to see them day by day or if they're under your roof, you know, trying to struggle to maintain unity in the household. Will? Yeah? 
So like culture issues, talking about like sexualization and exploitation of the kids specifically here. Well, definitely in the men as well. And then you got the issues with human trafficking. So I sort of alluded to it, but every time we talk about struggling, we always look at it and, and mention it in a negative connotation. It's always in a negative light. And throughout this study this past week, it was interesting to me as far as how the Bible explains and defines and talks about struggling. And I want to sort of break some of that out for us this evening. But before we do, we just really, I want to look at the genesis of struggling. And so if I were to say the genesis of struggling, the origins of struggling, what would you point back to? What do you think would be the cause of all of our struggling? The fall? You see, back in Genesis chapter number 3, verse number 19, after the curse, after Adam and Eve had sinned and rebelled, they ate of the free, fruit of the tree, knowledge of good and evil. Verse number 19, at least spoken to Adam, God had said, in the sweat of thy face shall thou eat bread. So now there's a struggle as far as working the land. Thorns and thistles are growing up. Now it's not going to produce the harvest that you necessarily are wanting or harvest at all. And so our struggles can be pinpointed, I would argue, from the fall of mankind in Genesis chapter 3. And with that being said, tying into our existence, human existence, I've heard it said before, to struggle is to be human. Because no matter what anybody says, every single one of us struggles. There's something we struggle with. Maybe not right this second, maybe not last week, but I guarantee you, you will struggle with something before you take your last breath, okay? And uh, it's part of our existence. But the one thing I want to go ahead and get across really early on is, you know, it, are, are you like me when you're struggling? You feel like you're alone, you feel like you're helpless at times, whether you're struggling to make ends meet. When me and Rebecca got married uh, early on, we were living in a negative balance, you know, negative checkbook. We were bouncing checks left and right, trying to figure out which bills to pay, which ones to bounce, and things of that nature. I'm trying to quit drinking alcohol because I was a drunk. And it was a struggle, sort of like Oscar was alluding to as well, trying to quit drinking. And it seemed like no matter what, I was a failure because I'd eventually pick up the bottle again and go back to drinking. I never could kick the habit. Or the fact that we can't, we can't get out of the mounds of debt that we're in. And I don't want to let anybody in because, you know what, I don't want to play my little violin with my little cheese and crackers and have a little wine and have this pity party for me, you know. And so I keep it to myself. Or I come to church and I see everybody else with their happy face and their smiles on, and I'm like, I'm the only one that's suffering no one can understand because everybody else is living a great life. No one knows that I am struggling and I am dying inside and I am all alone. First thing I want to really get across is the fact that you're not alone. You are not alone. Whether somebody in this building or somebody in your family knows and realizes and wants to walk alongside you or not, you are still not alone. Now I want to break, sort of break that out here in a little bit. You see, like I said, the struggle is human existence. 
Now, the International Psychology Clinic, which is out in London, they had done an article talking about 10 different problems that everybody struggles with. And this is a list of those 10 different problems. How many people struggled in the past with their health? Okay, what about workplace drama? What about having a feeling of emptiness inside? What about struggling because you don't have many friends, you're trying to make friends, and people just don't want to befriend you, stuff like that. What about finances? What about struggling the fact that, you know, I feel like I'm a failure? I just failed again. I mean, I, I tried my best, but I didn't make Gabe sound great up there. It sounded like my audio back here, he has, he has such a bass, you know? And I was, <laughs> yeah, I feel like a failure, right? I was struggling on that board today. Careers, str- I mean, we can go on and on. I guarantee you, if we're honest with ourselves, we have all probably struggled with every single thing on this list. All of us. And when we're looking at unity and diversity, I want us to say, understand the fact that while our struggle in these areas may be diverse, it may be different. We are unified in the fact that we are all struggling at some point in time. And that struggling does not, is not there to go ahead and separate us, but it should be there, as we'll see at the end of this, to bring us together as a family, to encourage one another as a family, to lift one another up as a family, and to use our struggles to help others overcome. So with that, I want to ask a lot of questions tonight. Well, hopefully we'll get done early because I have a 10-minute video I want to show at the end. So let's look at this list. Will the following things here cause you to struggle? Oppression. Cause you to struggle if you're just being persecuted, you're being oppressed, whether at work, family, things of that nature. But if you're just going through some sort of disaster, whether, you know, a tornado hit or maybe it's some sort of family issue, some major crisis within the family, does that cause you to struggle? What about being persecuted? What about if you don't have money to pay the bills or you're struggling to find out where you're going to get your next meal, lack of providence, dangerous situation? Do any of these cause you to struggle? No, me? So let me ask this question. In the midst of this, what do you do in the midst of that struggle? How does it affect you personally? Now, when you're struggling, you're, you're at work, you know, and you're being heavily persecuted, you didn't get the promotion, whatever the case is, they gave it to somebody else, whether it's nepotism, whatever the case is, and you deserved it, or you deserve the job. Now you're struggling with, okay, do I stay there? What do I do with this? Do I speak up? Whatever. Whatever the case is, how do you respond in the midst of your struggle? Just curious, anybody? You pray in the midst of your struggle, you pray? Huh? Seek guidance? Okay. You get angry before you pray. Okay, now we're getting honest. No, just kidding. Yeah, yeah a lot of times we get, we get mad, right? I, I deserve this, or I don't know why I'm going through this. You know, I'm trying to live my life, you know, the best I can. What else? Sometimes you blame God. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. 
Yeah. Okay. Okay. So why not me? Is there's emotion there, yeah. you know, and feeling very down, anger, emotion, Jason. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So some, sometimes turn to the bottle. Yeah. You know, we're struggling going through th some things. Well, let me ask you another question. Again, I'll fill with questions tonight. And this series is going to be a lot more devotional than our, you know, study through the book of James, uh, which we'll get into a book study after this. But so when somebody is struggling, have you ever walked alongside somebody that's struggling? Have you ever come alongside them? Okay. Let's circle back to these areas. What would you say to somebody that is struggling with chronic health? You know they're struggling. It's like they have a hard time even getting up out of bed because they just, they just don't want to do it. You know, they know they're going to get in pain if they do X, Y, or Z. What do you say to How do you try to minister to that person? Sometimes listening is better than speaking, okay? Because you're not a doctor, okay? So listening, right? All right. So what about finances? Somebody's trying to make their ends meet, and they they just can't they can't do it, you know. And they're struggling, and they're struggling with their money. Have you ever walked alongside with somebody that's struggling like that? What do you do? What do you say to them? Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. There you go. Yeah. Okay, so trying to go ahead and give resources in the community to sort of help pick them up off their feet. What would you say to somebody that you're walking alongside and they just feel like they're a failure every single day. Yeah, learn more from failure than you do to success. That's true. So, to me, when people are struggling, and, and all these are excellent answers, excellent answers. To me, when people are struggling, it's really one of those deals like, have you ever done grief counseling? Have you ever had to walk alongside somebody that just lost someone that they dearly loved? And they just got the news. And you're there and they're unloading it all on you. You know, have you ever been in those moments? Yeah, I sort of look at walking alongside somebody that's struggling is similar to grief counseling. Because we're like what Oscar said is sometimes the best thing we can do is listen, first and foremost. A lot of times what we want to do, is, especially men, is we want to go ahead and fix whatever the struggle is. Oh, you're struggling to pay your bills. Oh, you just need to get a better job. You need to do this. The last thing somebody need, needs to hear when they're struggling, and if you're struggling, the last thing you want to hear really from the first thing out of somebody's mouth is, hey, this is what you need to do. Give them great advice, yeah? 
Yeah. <laughs> 4.0. Yeah. Great advice, yeah? <laughs> you know, it's one of those deals that, and I'm not talking about like the day-to-day -day struggles. I, if you think back on the time of your life where you truly felt hopeless and hopeless, you were struggling. I did a lesson called uh, Illustrations, and I was struggling with my faith. Really, really bad and I was here at this church as a pastor you know and very very few people knew the struggles I was going through so if you can remember a time in your life when you felt like that do you want somebody to come up and say this is what you need to do at least the first thing out of their mouth or should the first thing out of their mouth be like tell me what's going on in order to, to be led into the struggle, you th would you just let anybody in on your struggle? Would you let me in, in your life, in your deep issues, if you don't know me from Adam? Would you let me in? Most likely not. Huh? By, I, okay, by position, maybe, you know, but even... Away from that. See, even, even with that time, you know, he's like, no. I appreciate you, Cody. No. In order to be let in, you got to be able to have a key, if you will. You have to be able to have access to the person. And when they're going through their deep struggles, and when you're going through the deep struggles of your life, you need somebody that there is, they're in your corner. That you know they're in your corner. That you can open up, be vulnerable, so that you know they're not going to gossip, and they're going to be there to go ahead and try to help and encourage, listen, and maybe the Lord will give them a word or two, right? When we find people that are struggling or when we're struggling, that's discipleship. When you're coming alongside, you're discipling them in that regard. And most of the time when somebody comes along and tries to help somebody in the midst of their struggle, most of the time, they've had that same struggle, had the same issue going on. Many times they've overcome it, and God will use that struggle to encourage, to equip, to allow them to find a way out through the faith of Christ. And so part of this whole series, and one thing that I've been hitting, hitting, hitting hard Unity and community for us as a church. Not just as the Forge, but all of us together. You see, when we're looking at this, and all these things would cause us to struggle, and that we've admitted that a lot of times in the midst of our struggling, we feel alone. We feel helpless. We feel hopeless. And I promise you, you are not alone. And I can back that up with Scripture. Where Paul writes in Romans 8, 35, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long, we are accounted as sheep 
for the slaughter. In context, when you go back up to verse number 17, this passage is all about suffering. It's all about how the Holy Spirit is helping us through the suffering. That when we are desiring to be at home in glory so that we can be away from all the struggles of life, and yet we're still stuck here in this body and we're hurting and we're helpless and we're hopeless, nothing can separate us still from the love of Christ. So no matter what you're going through, will go through, what I'm going through, we will still be within the love of Jesus Christ. We will never, ever be alone. And it's interesting because in verse number 37, Paul says, in all these things, in everything he just listed, he said, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us, Christ. You know what he doesn't say? He doesn't say, in all of this, we might be conquerors. He doesn't say through all of this, we should be conquerors. He says, in all of this, we are more than conquerors. You see, struggling, if you were to ask me, struggling gives us an opportunity to live out our faith by responding in faith. And I talked about it a long time ago, maybe a couple years ago, in the midst of all the persecution going on, that we're actually receiving here in the West now as far as our Christian faith and religious persecution and snuffing out of freedoms and military and government, stuff like that. There is no greater time to live our faith than when it's trying to be taken away, than when it's trying to be snuffed out. Those are opportunities for us to live our faith. In James chapter 2, when James wrote that, you know, you can see, you know, a brother in need they need clothing, they need shelter, they need food. Guess what? You're coming alongside somebody that's struggling. And so do we just go ahead and just say something, pray, and leave them be? Or do we take that opportunity to actually live according to our faith? The just shall live by faith. You know, very, it's infrequent in the Old Testament that miracles had occurred. If you look at the Old Testament and you look at miracles in the Bible, they've all really centered around a couple key moments in history. Whether it was with Moses, whether it was the time of Christ, whether it was the starting of the church. Miracles still exist today, but a lot of times, as opposed to God actually manifesting with a Christophany or any of these things, God seems to use people. Can come like the angel of the Lord and kill 185,000 Amalekites. He can still do that if he wants. But in this dispensation, he's choosing to use people most frequently. And if we are the people that he's wanting to use, and the reason why the Spirit gives us all spiritual gifts is to go ahead and serve the body of Christ and to be one strong, healthy body with Jesus Christ as the head, then if we are not having a heart of compassion, if we don't know each other, if we can't get involved in people's lives to know when they're hurting, when they're struggling, and how we can come alongside, we're hindering not only our ability to be used, but we're hindering their growth as well. And then we're hindering the fact that Jesus Christ wants to use us for his glory and for another's edification. So it all goes back to this aspect of knowing people and their struggles. But like I said, a lot of times when we think of the word struggling, we think of it in a negative light. So there's a bunch of different Greek words that can be used for the word struggle. And 
Most often in the King James, it's used as the word fight or strive. And I just want to sort of walk through some of these and see what the Bible says about this aspect of struggling. Romans chapter 15, verse number 30, Paul says, I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit, that ye strive together with me in your prayers. So here, Paul is beckoning for these people to go ahead and struggle in prayer. So in order to struggle in prayer for Paul, guess what? They need to know Paul. They need to know what Paul's leading prayer for. And they need to have a care and concern to pray. But this aspect of struggling together in prayer means that this is an aspect of, again, we're, we're fighting the apathy. We're fighting all the distractions we're struggling to go ahead and make sure that we are praying fervently for this person, passionately for this person as well. See, that's one aspect of struggling that is in the New Testament. Another one is found in 2 Corinthians 5, 9, where Paul says, Wherefore we labor, labor, struggle, labor, that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. You see, if we were to look in the first few verses of 2 Corinthians 5, we'll find the aspect that we are struggling to go ahead and be free from this body, the body that we're stuck in fighting medical issues, health complications, you know, apathy, just the flesh and the spirit warring with each other. We're, we're struggling. We want to get rid of this body so that we can be in glory and we don't have to worry about these things. But we're here for a purpose right now. And so with that, Paul, Paul is saying here in 2 Corinthians 5, 9, that we labor, we struggle. During all this, even though we want to be there, we're here, saying we struggle, why? So that we may be accepted of him. You see, this isn't the aspect of we struggle and we do this so that we can go to heaven. This is the fact on being a well-done, good and faithful servant. Because what he goes on to say in verse number 10 in chapter 5, he says, for we all must stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And so as a Christian, we will give an account for how we've lived this Christian life. What have we done with the free gift of everlasting life that we had received from Jesus Christ? Did we just receive it, squander it, trample on the grace? Or did we try to actively live it out and get involved in people's lives, disciple, tell people about God, things of this nature? One point in time when we take our final breath, some point after that, we all will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account. But one of the reasons why we struggle now is the fact that we can go ahead and show Jesus Christ, I'm not trampling on the grace and the blood. I'm appreciative and I'm undeserving of what you did for me. And I try my best to live my faith the best I can for your glory and for others' benefit. To be accepted of him. Not to be saved, but simply to be well done, good and faithful servant. You see, when we overcome the struggles in our life through faith, through tapping into the Spirit, then that brings glory to God. And then one of these sessions, we're going to be looking at testimonies. We're going to be talking about different testimonies. Yeah, you know, we'll talk about salvation testimonies and how did you come to know Jesus Christ as Savior. But one thing we need to keep thinking about is our victory testimonies. I've said it plenty of times before. What have you gained victory over? What have you overcome in your faith? What have you put in the past that was works of evil and darkness? Because once we can figure out, okay, how did God get me through this? 
then we can take those victories. When we know somebody that's struggling, we can help them with how God has helped us. It's similar to the aspect where Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, that the God of all comfort comforts us, that with our comfort, we may be able to comfort others. And so part of the aspect of our struggling is a fact on helping and equipping and encouraging. Then we get to 1 Timothy 4.10. And Paul says, For we both labor, struggle, and suffer reproach. Why? Because we trust. Because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially those that believe. One aspect of our struggling here is because, hopefully put, we trust. You see, no matter what happens in this life, when I was going through my faith crisis, struggling with the hiddenness of God, I knew I was saved. I knew I was a Christian. I knew, you know, I was set, sealed, secured, delivered. I knew all that. And I trusted in all that. But I have prayed oftentimes, God, show me your glory. I have prayed many times, God, give me a Moses experience. Let me just see the backside of you just pass by. You know, has never happened. And it shook me. It rocked me to my core. I, this was a fervent prayer of mine, so I struggled really bad. But then I remember that I know Christ died and rose again. I know I trusted him as my Savior. I know I'm a Christian. So if I never get this answer on the divine hiddenness of God, this side of eternity, trusting in him, period. And I think that's what Paul's getting at here. When we're going through these troubles, when we're specifically, it says, suffering reproach, that we do this, we struggle through it. Why? Because we trust in God. And it goes back to Romans 8, 38, 39, where Paul says, I'm persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities or powers nor things present nor things to come, nor height nor debt nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from what? The love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And it's that trust in the midst of our struggling that allows us to get through whatever crisis we're going through. I, I know I feel helpless and hopeless. And I know for me, it seems like there's no way out, but I am trusting in you. Whether I never get out this side of eternity, I know once I'm up there in glory, this can be but a fleeting memory. So for that, I'm trusting you. You see, I had one guy come over. This was many years ago, many, many years ago. He was a neighbor of mine, and he was going through a crisis. He wasn't a believer one a Christian. He knew who I was, me and my wife were. So he came over, he was breaking down. He was broken. I don't know what to do, you know, this and that. And, and uh, he started talking about God and he started talking about Jesus. Now I was like, a lot of times crises and funerals allow people to open up and really consider deeper things of life that truly matter. So I was talking to him and it was a sweet moment. And a couple of days go by and and asked him, you know, how everything was going and stuff like that. I asked him if he remember coming over. He was like, oh, yeah. He was like, you know, I was just looking for a crutch. Religion, that, that's just a crutch. It, that's all it is. I didn't really believe it. And so it really took me back. I was like, wait, no, it isn't. No, it isn't. Then I realized something. 
That is. Jesus is my crutch. Because without Jesus, I would not be able to stand. And in the midst of my struggles, i got to remember that. The only way I'm able to stand up in the midst of my trials and my crises in life is the fact that I am held by Jesus Christ. It's going to be really devotional. And so the fact that whenever you're going through your struggles and you feel like you're helpless, you're hopeless, you have got to realize you're not alone, that yes, Jesus is your crutch. He has got to be your crutch. Because without Jesus, you're not going to be able to stand on your own strong. Finally, Paul goes on to say in 1 Timothy 6.12, fight, struggle, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on to eternal life. You see, Christian life is a fight. It's going to be a struggle. We're not promised a bed of roses, life of ease. No, it's not your best life now and all this other stuff. Living the Christian life correctly will bring strife, struggle, will bring the adversary. But we got to realize when, when Paul's saying here as far as lay hold on to eternal life, he's not talking about hold on to eternal life and don't lose it like Arminian aspect that if you mess up too much, you'll lose your salvation. That's not what he's talking about as far as laying hold to eternal life. What he's talking about is it's sort of like the saying, it's not the years in your life that count. It's the life in your years. You see, the word life can be used figuratively as well. There's a qualitative aspect and a quantitative aspect of eternal life. Quantitative means you have eternal life and you're going to live eternally because of your faith in Jesus as a Savior. The qualitative aspect is the fact that Jesus Christ said, I have come to give them life and life more abundantly. It's a fullness of life. It's the fact that we can have life in our years no matter how short our years are. So with this aspect, he's saying, in the midst of our struggle, keep fighting. Keep struggling. In context, he's talking about putting away uh, things that are sinful, reaching forward and trying to live the correct way of Christian life and discipleship. And that's what he's talking about. And in doing that, in struggling this, and struggling to put down the bottle, and struggling to put, the way, put away pornography, and struggling to live the right Christian life, we will lay hold on this aspect of an abundant life. The abundant life that Jesus Christ wants us to live in fullness and fellowship of abiding with Christ. That's another aspect of struggling. I'm just going to use one more because I'm running out of time. Another one is the aspect of Ephesians 6, 12. Where again, we struggle, we wrestle, not with flesh and blood, but we have a true, real adversary that wants to bring things along our path. So the question naturally arises, why, why do you think Satan wants to bring struggles our way? Why do you think Satan wants to trip us up and cause us to feel helpless and hopeless? No. Do what? Turn us away from God? Yeah. What are you saying, Jason? Make us hate him and get angry like we were saying as well earlier. Or uh, like you were saying, Matt, also. Blaming God, stuff like that. You see, when we understand the fact that we have a different plane, we have a different dimension in this world, that there is that spiritual dimension, the fact that there are often a lot of things in our life that are caused by spiritual forces. I mean, I, I hate to say it, but most Christians are ignorant of that. 
that there is an evil out there, there's an adversary out there that wants to trip us up. Because if no angel was made in the image of God, humans was made in the image of God. Would you think that the adversary would want to do nothing but to tarnish the image of God? So that now every image or copy of God, if you will, an image of God, running around is tarnished, stained, tattered, ruined. And it's like, oh, look, there you go, God. You know, those are your people. They look, you know, like the world, you know. And so he is constantly trying to attack us. But we've got to remember that. You see, through the struggles and through these verses that we're looking at, we've got to hold on to our faith. When we're having the crises, we've got to cling on to the faith. We've got to cling on to Jesus Christ. We've got to go ahead and make sure that we're standing up on our crutch. We got to come alongside others in prayer. Paul says that, you know, struggle with me to get, struggle together with me in prayer over certain things. We have to know people. We have to know people that are struggling to go ahead and try to encourage them. We have to actually have a friend group. That way, when we're struggling, we can go ahead and let others in as well. We also have to trust that Jesus Christ is with us. Like I said, no one, it doesn't matter if no one in this world knows what you're going through. The one that matters the most does. And you're never alone. But oftentimes the adversary wants us to think in the midst of our crises and our struggles that we are alone. We have got to, got to remember we're not. Life is hard. We all struggle. A lot of times we can't find an escape. In and of ourselves, we won't find an escape that's permanent. You see, I don't know why we struggle. You know, I know the fall, the existence, but individually and personally, why sometimes God allows, or even dare I say, sometimes God calls you through a season of suffering. He called Job to a season of suffering, right? Peter, he told Peter that I have given Satan authority and you'll be, you'll be sifted. God may call us through a period of suffering. That's what I think Romans 8 28, 29 is talking about those who he called, he glorified. The fact that there are sometimes we're called suffering. And in those moments in suffering, we're either pushed closer to God in an intimate way that I can know the fellowship of his sufferings, or we allow the adversary to win and drive a wedge between us to get farther away from Christ. But I tell you, and I promise you, if in the moments of those crises, if you get through because of your faith and because of you holding on to Jesus Christ, you will not only bring glory to God. When you see Christ at the Bema seat, like Paul says, that we may be accepted of him, that there's blessings for the overcomer, and that God will use you in your overcoming. This, this and then I want to jump into a video. There's really three choices. There may be more, but I put three out there of what we can do in the midst of our strugglings. Give up, quit, and that's it. We can try to go ahead and struggle and fight through it on our own in our own strength and our own power, but guess what? It's never going to last. You're going to come right back to it, and every time that happens, you're going to think you're a failure because you can't do it. Guess what? You can't do it. I can't do it only real option for the mature Christian on how to overcome these moments of crisis and struggling 
lean on Jesus Christ. No, we're not alone. No, that there could be purpose in the midst of my excruciating pain for the glory of God and for the benefit of others. And I want to sort of prove this. So, how many people heard of Toby Mac? How many people know that a couple years ago he lost his son? His son died of a drug overdose. Toby Mac had a couple choices. He could have just gave up, got angry at God, blamed God for everything. He could have tried getting on, moving on with his own. But he didn't do that. From everything that we can tell, Toby Mac was able to take this crisis, lean on Jesus, and now affect millions of people who listen to his music to give them the encouragement in the midst of their trials and their struggles. And so what I want to do is I want to show you this. This is a video clip. It's about a nine-minute video clip. This is at one of his concerts that he had done. He's talking about his son. And he, has, he had written a song specifically for his son called 21 Years. How many people have heard that song? A couple. And so I want to show you how greatly God can use somebody no matter how bad they struggle, if we let him. Oh, of course, it's not going to work. So look, a, a lot of people have come up to me and my wife 